Uh, so my wife Wendy and I have been married going on 25 years. We have uh, six kids, uh, jobs and uh, activities and calendars that are filled with all the stuff just like all of you. And we love it. Uh, we love the rhythm of our days. We love the rhythm of our weeks. And the reality is uh, sometimes through no one's fault, sometimes uh, the rhythm actually leads to places of relational disconnection. Uh, sometimes the rhythm becomes mostly routine. You know what I'm talking about? There are sometimes when we find ourselves in the same place physically, but it feels like relationally we are maybe miles apart. I wonder if you can relate. Uh, so a couple of years ago, Wendy and I started to get intentional about uh, monitoring the connectedness of our relationship. And we started to do this relatively simple three-step exercise. It's simple, uh, but it's scary as heck, especially for the dudes in the room. Um, we, would, we would set aside time uh, in the day to uh, get kind of close together, at least in the same room, sometimes on the same uh, couch, sometimes close enough to hold hands, but certainly not always. And we would just go through these things. Sometimes she would start, sometimes I would start. We didn't do it every day, but for a couple of months, we did this several times a week. So maybe I would start and I would, I would give ourselves a score on the loneliness connection spectrum. If zero represents I'm feeling lonely in the re relationship, 10 represents we're uh, connected, I would say, I think we're like a 6.5 today. And then I would start talking about, here's what I'm noticing about myself. I'm noticing I'm really irritable these days. I'm noticing I'm really uh, tired, fatigued these days. I'm just ready to explode in anger at, at, at any moment. And I'm feeling it in my body, like in my gut. I've got this unsettledness in my gut. I'm not exactly sure where it's coming from. It could be work stuff. It could be kids going off to college stuff. It could be financial stuff. But I just talk about it briefly. And then I would say, here's what I'm noticing about us, about our relationship. Uh, yesterday, when you texted me and you said, thank you for making the online grocery order. I did it all by myself like a big boy, and I didn't even have to be asked and reminded, and I put it, I put it all away, and she texts and says, thank you for that. That makes me feel seen. That makes me feel valued. And then Wendy would reflect all of that back to me. Here's what I heard you say. And then it would be her turn. And uh, she would often have a very different number than I did. <laughs> uh, and she would talk about, here's what she's noticing about herself, uh, what she's noticing uh, about us, and then I would reflect that back to her. And so we did that, I don't know, three or four months, a couple of times a week. And, and part of what we noticed, as, as we were getting intentional about just kind of checking in on our relational connectedness, this process started to play itself out in real time. Like we'd be in the car driving to one of the kids' activities and I'd be listening to sports talk radio because what else do you do if you're in the car? And I would notice out of my peripheral vision Wendy's body language communicating something to me. Like we're kind of at a one or a two, all, so I'd turn off the radio and I would engage in conversation with my wife. Or uh, maybe I would text her throughout the day, I'm feeling kind of anxious, I, I know it's not about you, I'm not exactly sure what it is, I'd like to talk with you about it uh, sometime later tonight. And, and this intentionality about paying attention to how connected are we as a couple, even after a couple of decades of marriage, it, it taught us a new way of relating to one another. And I'm convinced there's something very similar that happens when it comes to living a life of faith. Our theme this year at Hope for the calendar year 2022, our theme is God in us in real life. 
And the idea is, together as a congregation, we might learn, we might discover tools, we, we might discover things that we can do, practices that uh, we can take part in that will help us connect with God in the moment-to-moment realities of our life. Not just when we come to a worship service, not when we're at a, a church program or a church class or something like that, but throughout our days, throughout our weeks, we might feel this sense of connection with God. I knew we were going to be uh, talking about the Holy Spirit today, and so I thought, you know, instead of just talking about the Holy Spirit, my hope, my prayer would be we might actually experience the power and presence of God with us in this room through the Holy Spirit. And so I got together with my staff, my production staff, my uh, worship staff, and we started thinking, okay, uh, how can we help? How can we plan a service that will help uh, the congregation experience the Holy Spirit? We saw this video uh, teaching about what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I thought, can we have Lindsay sing a song? And Kyle said, how about the song Breathe? And that's the song uh, that Lindsay sang. I, I thought it was just perfect for what uh, we're trying to do. And then we read some scripture from Ezekiel 37 on here's kind of a way the Holy Spirit uh, works. This was our plan for helping connect you with the Holy Spirit. Now, the reality is you cannot plan for the Holy Spirit. Like, you can't make a plan and the Holy Spirit will say, okay, I'll do that. The Holy Spirit's going to do whatever the Holy Spirit's going to do. And so some of you maybe felt like God was close and God was with you in the room, and some of you maybe did not. And that's that's just fine. That, that's just normal. That's just the way it is. I, I want to try something. Pull out your phones if you have your phones with you. Uh, you don't, don't even have to open them up to the Bible app. I want you to actually use your phone to text. And here's what we're going to do. There's a number on the screen, 478-245-8973. And I want you to type that number into your text. And then the question I want you to think about, what was your sense of the Holy Spirit during worship today? Was the Holy Spirit... Strongly present, somewhat present, not present. Uh, Text in your answer. One for strongly present, two for somewhat present, three for not present. And uh, please be honest when you, I don't need to tell you to be honest, but just to clear things up, like we, we, it's going to be anonymous. We're not going to be able to say, oh, there's the phone number, that person that said it was a one, let's get after them. No, that's not, um, like, and you're not going to get extra credit if you say three, the spirit was on fire today, Pastor Scott, good job. So, we just like, what's really going on in the room when you gather for I think it'd be really interesting to look at uh, the results of this. See about half the congregation, eh, somewhat present. Some people having a strong presence, 4%, 5%. I didn't really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit at all. 5%. Part of the reason I want 6%, that number just keeps growing. As the longer I talk, the less <laughs> presence of the Holy Spirit. All right, this, that's what, no, here's, here's why I wanted to do this. I think sometimes you come to worship and you look around the room and you're like, everybody else, everybody else seems to be experiencing something that I'm not. Everybody else seems to be having this connection with God, with this mysterious, invisible thing that they call the Holy Spirit, and I'm not. I sing the songs, I listen to the sermon, and I, I got nothing. And sometimes... When that happens to us, the way we interpret it is there's something wrong with me. I guess I don't know how to worship. Or maybe I am so unholy, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And I just want to assure you that's most likely not the case. Often the problem is people like me. Uh, preachers and religious leaders who communicate 
I think often unintentionally, but maybe sometimes intentionally, we communicate to you, this whole faith thing is a piece of cake. I mean, what's wrong with you? You can't figure it out and experience the Holy Spirit in worship. I, I just don't think that's true. or ac- I, I think faith is a struggle. And the longer I follow Jesus, the longer I live a, a life of faith, the more convinced I, I am. I think it's maybe even supposed to be a struggle. So I think of the nation of Israel. Uh, they worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the one the nation of Israel is named after because at, at one point in Jacob's life, he was struggling so much, he felt completely disconnected from his family. He ran, runs away from home. He's in the wilderness. He feels completely disconnected from God. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. And Jacob has an encounter. And we don't know exactly who this person is. It's like a divine being or presence that shows up. Is it Jesus? Uh, is it a, an angel? The, the Bible's not clear, but it's a, this divine being who wrestles with Jacob all night long. And at the end of the wrestling match, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Israel is a Hebrew word that means to wrestle with, to contend with, to struggle with God. Sometimes God feels as close to us as the very air we breathe. And sometimes it's a struggle. Most of the time, it's a struggle. I want to show you a clip from a movie called Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's the documentary about the life of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. There's something about this scene that I think is a a pretty good picture of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Take a look. The people who have had a lot of struggle in their lives, those are the people who really impress me. Like who? There was an interview with a little boy by the name of Jeff Erlinger. We wrote because Jeff was going to have a spinal fusion and be in a, what they call a halo, a cast, you know, metal cast. rim and then cast on his shoulders and bolted all, all the way together. down his trunk. And yeah. We he may not sure. have survived the surgery. And so we said, you know, what would you like to do? Uh, this is going to be a really big task for you, and so we want to kick it off with something that would be really special. Mr. Rogers? Hey, Jeff. <laughs> I'm glad to see you. Hi. Thank you very much for coming by. Can you tell my friends what it is that made you need this wheelchair. Sure. Well, when I was about seven months old, I had um, I had a tumor, and it broke the nerves to tell my hands and legs what to do. I see. And I got a wheelchair when I was four years old. That was your first one mm-hmm. when you were four. Uh-huh. He told Jeff before they started that they would have a chat and then sing a song together. I think he said we might sing a song. Yeah. I remember because yeah. I mean I was sort of surprised. What well, he's gonna start singing a song with you know this is totally not even what song. <laughs> it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you. I like the way you are right now. 
the way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your fancy chair. That's just beside you. But it's you I like. Every part of you. Your skin, your eyes, your feeling. Whether old or new. I hope that you remember. Even when you're feeling blue. That it's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you. It's you. And there must be times when you do feel blue. Uh-huh. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> I'm so glad that you came today. Thanks. I remember asking one of, the, one of the staff people that was there, well, you know, what do you think? Did it go okay? So, Don't. This is good. This is good. He had his surgery. He survived. Certainly, Mr. Rogers had an impact on who Jeff became, his sense of self. So much so that a couple of decades later in 1997 when uh, Mr. Rogers was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame, Jeff was the one who was there to introduce Mr. Rogers and to say thank you for that moment early on in his life of being assured that he's likable. And he was saying thank you on behalf of himself but also on behalf of millions of kids across this country who watched that show and sang that song along with Mr. Rogers because it was a song he would sing in multiple episodes of that show. He didn't have to teach it to Jeff. Jeff already knew the song from watching the show. Uh, Thursday is when I sit down to start working on my sermon, and I came across that clip, and I'm just sitting in my office sobbing because there's something in me, and I think there's something in all of us that wonders sometimes. We doubt, is it true that we're likable, that God loves us? Later on in that film... Towards the end of it, they're interviewing Mr. Rogers' wife, Joanne, and she's recounting uh, Mr. Rogers' death. 74 years old, uh, battling stomach cancer. And just before he slipped into a coma from which he would not wake up, he looked at his wife of 50 years and he asked her, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? He's referencing this passage in the Gospels, Matthew 25, where Jesus, he's telling a story about a king who, at, at the end of time, judgment day is the way a lot of people uh, interpret this passage, that everybody's going to be separated into two groups. And you'll have the sheep on one side, you'll have the goats on another side. And, and what will determine which group you are in, did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the naked? Did you take care of those who were sick? Did you visit those who were in prison? How well did you love the least of these, those who are marginalized by whatever society you are a part of? And there's a verse in the middle of this story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25 that is terrorizing to a lot of people. It's verse 41, where Jesus says to the goats, depart from me. Depart from me. It's this language of disconnection. And it's this idea that fills a lot of people with dread, 
the idea of separation, the idea of being alone, disconnection. And so here's Mr. Rogers, a guy who's devoted his career to helping kids know, I like you just the way you are, exactly and precisely. He still wondered, he still doubted, he still questioned, am I lovable enough to be accepted by God? Uh, you and I are created for connection. We are hardwired for connection. And when we don't feel that connection, when we don't feel the closeness to the people in our lives or uh, to the God who created us, it puts us into this place where we cry out like we were doing in that song that Lindsay was leading us in. I'm desperate for you, for this connection that I was made for. I, I'm lost without it. Of course, the good news is God creates us for connection because God wants to be connected to us. God wants to be close to us. And the way God comes close to us, the, the way God draws us close uh, to God is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we get lost in the weeds. We, like, exactly what is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do and how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, how, how, how does the Holy Spirit guide me? All good and, and really important questions. And uh, these are questions we take a, a lot of time to dig into and, and talk about during the Alpha course that we offer a couple of times here. If you've not taken Alpha, mark your calendar now for September on Sunday afternoons. We'd love for you to, to take Alpha and we'll, we'll talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. For today, the starting place when it comes to the Holy Spirit is kind of summarized in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. We'll put it on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. Read it with me. We know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let's read this one more time. I want this to sink in. We know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? All kinds of reasons. And all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, all kinds of things the Holy Spirit helps us do in our life, but the starting point, the, the thing we need to keep coming back to time and time again is this idea. God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can know we are loved by God, to fill us with God's love. It's easy for us to forget. Why, why do my staff and I get together and try to put together an order of service that we think will help you connect with the Holy Spirit and the presence of God? It's because what we desire when you leave this place is for you to know, for you to trust, for you to absolutely believe you are loved by God. Reach out to the world around us, share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. It's hard to do if you don't believe that you are loved by God. It's closely connected to our mission. And so part of what I want us to understand is there's an ebb and flow to all of this. And just like every human relationship in our life, sometimes we feel connected Sometimes we feel disconnected. We've got to work toward reconnection. That same kind of ebb and flow happens in our life of faith, in our relationship with God. So just like Wendy and I have to get intentional, how do we stay close? How do we grow in our connection as a husband and wife? Same thing happens when it comes to living a life of faith. What would it look like for you to grow in your awareness of God's presence in your life? On a moment-to-moment -moment basis. What would it look like for you to learn to recognize and respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in real time? Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 13. 
John chapter 13, kind of an interesting passage. This is the night before Jesus is killed. It starts with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Uh, then they celebrate the Passover together, Jesus and his closest friends, this celebratory meal. Uh, Jesus gives them this new command, love one another. The way that I have loved you, that's how you should love one another. The world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. But Jesus also says some troubling things. He says, uh, by the way, I know I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I just want to say it one more time, I'm going to die. And one of you is going to betray me. And at the end of John 13, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. So by the time you get to the end of John 13, it is mass chaos. The disciples are uh, worried, they are uh, afraid, they're confused, they're angry. And you turn the page to John chapter 14, and Jesus says this to his very troubled disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> Doesn't help. It actually escalates things a little bit. You, you keep reading through John 14. By the time you get to verse 16 and 17, the disciples are in freakout mode. And so Jesus says this to them. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things I want you to notice about this verse, uh, this is, in the Bible, you never see the word Trinity. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. You never see that term Trinity in the Bible. But you see the idea of one God existing in three unique persons all over the place. Here's a couple of verses where you, you get this idea. God the Son says he's going to ask God the Father to send God the Holy Spirit. Christianity is the only Trinitarian religion. Why does it matter that we believe in the Trinity? Why does it matter that when we recite the Apostles' Creed together, we say, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit? It matters because what the tr Trinity communicates to us is we believe in a God who exists in a connected community. God exists in connected community. And so when God creates us, God creates us to also exist in connected community with one another and with God. God wants to be close to us. And so Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Advocate is the word that gets used here. Uh, the Greek word that's being translated is paraclete. Paraclete literally means to come alongside. And that's why I think that scene with Mr. Rogers and Jeff it's a picture of the Holy Spirit because Mr. Rogers just comes right alongside. This constant companion is what the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Sometimes it gets translated advocate, sometimes comforter. I'm going to ask the Father, he'll give you a comforter. Sometimes it gets translated helper. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, directs us, protects us and keeps us safe. Here's part of the reality that I notice about myself. As I grow in my ability to recognize and respond to the Holy Spirit in real time, I notice that there are times when it's very clear to me, God is with me, the Holy Spirit is close by, God is telling me, uh, don't say that, it's going to really hurt someone's feelings, don't do that, it's going to damage trust. There are plenty of times in my life where I know God is with me, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I do not move when the Spirit says move. There are times when I say no to the help that the Holy Spirit is offering me. 
I saw a video recently that I thought it was a pretty good illustration of the way I relate to the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe you can relate. Take a look. Whew. I mean, did you really think I was going to show you a video of a dog getting squashed on a freeway? I mean, what is wrong with you people? I've never seen you praying harder than you did in those two minutes right there for that poor dog. I, and the, the poor cops, they're like, by the end of that, I wonder if they're just yelling at that dog. We're trying to help you, just trust me. Help me help you. I have your best interest in mind. I do not know what help you need from the Holy Spirit today, but I'm pretty confident the help you need is closely connected to the hope that you need. In our Bible reading from Ezekiel 37, in the Valley of Dry Bones, this message, this vision from God comes to uh, the prophet Ezekiel when the people of Israel have been conquered, they've been carried off into captivity. They are strangers in a strange land. And here comes this vision. Dry bones just scattered across the floor of a, a vast valley. And the dry bones represent the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel. Let's read verse 11 together. Read it with me. We have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. These are the people of God saying this. The people of Israel, the people who struggle with God, wrestle with God, they're saying we're feeling completely disconnected because of the circumstances of our life. If they had to text in their response to that poll we did earlier, they would have said, one, God is not present. If they had to rate themselves on a scale from zero to ten, they would say, zero, all hope is gone. That's a pretty hopeless place. And it is a place I'm convinced you and I find ourselves in over and over again throughout our life. A hopeless place, a disconnected place, a place where, like if we're going to say, Lord, here's what I'm noticing in my relationship with you these days. I'm noticing you're silent. I'm noticing you're unresponsive. I'm noticing you're absent. And sometimes it's even worse than that. Sometimes more than just saying God feels silent or absent, sometimes we become convinced God's punishing us. And, and the things in our life that are going bad, the failures, the struggles, the disappointments, somehow we become convinced God is behind all of that. That's a pretty hopeless place to be. That's a place where our faith is on life support and our spirits are dry. More good news. The place where God gives this prophetic message of Hope and new life is in the valley of dry bones. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. I'm going to put breath into you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and make you live again. And you will know that I am the Lord. And as this vision continues in Ezekiel 37, the wind begins to blow. The holy ruach of God fills that valley and those dry bones begin to rattle. If you're here today and you're in a hopeless place, you're feeling disconnected and alone and overwhelmed with trouble. You're in good company. And Jesus says to you the same thing that Jesus says to his troubled disciples in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, you may hear that and you may, may think, Pastor Scott, you, you don't know what I'm up against. You don't know the struggle. You don't know the pain I'm going through. You don't know the mess that I'm in. And you're right, I do not know. But I know Jesus, and I know Jesus get, keeps his promises. So when Jesus says, don't let your hearts 
be troubled. He must know that help is on the way. He's going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send the help we need, the Holy Spirit. And so later on, in John 14, Jesus says to these troubled disciples, he's still talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is not Jesus belittling you and saying, that thing that you think is so troublesome, it's really not that big of a deal. Just gonna... That's not what Jesus is doing here. Neither is Jesus saying, I'm going to make the trouble go away. The promise of Jesus is there is hope in the struggle. There's help when you are troubled. And it comes to us through the power, through the presence of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift that gives us a peace that is, you cannot get anywhere else. A peace that only is possible, available through the Holy Spirit. It's a peace that enters our mind no matter how out of control we feel, no matter how hard things are. This peace of God can enter our minds, enter our chaotic minds, our thoughts that are just bouncing all over the place, our worries and our fears. The peace of God that can enter our restless hearts and give us this deep, settled assurance uh, and we just know in a way we cannot fully explain that even though everything is a struggle, we know deep inside that all will be well. All will be well. Help is on the way. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter, the helper, it's God's gift to you, it's God's gift to me when we're going through troubled times. And it's God's gift to us when everything is great. And maybe that's you. Maybe you came to worship today. Like, this is the best week of my life. I can't wait to get to worship and just praise God for God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And boy, this is a downer of a sermon. <laughs> here's, here's where the sermon should hit home for you. God gives us the Holy Spirit. God fills us with the Holy Spirit so we can know we are loved by God. And then often the way God's help and God's spirit is at work in this world is through the body of Christ. It's through us. God's power, God's spirit at work in us and through us is what this world needs. So you leave this place and how are you going to live your life in such a way that you bring help to the people you interact with? You bring a peaceful presence with you, not because of you and anything, you, but because of God's spirit in you. You help restore people's faith. You help renew their hope. How can you be a helper this week because of the help, the Holy Spirit that lives in you. One more clip from Mr. Rogers. Take a look. I, I think he would be trying to bend, bend the, the split. He would be trying to find some way to find something positive. When I was a boy and I would hear about something scary, my mother would tell us, always look for the people who are helping. You'll always find somebody who's trying to help. I think there are a lot of people out there like Fred Rogers, a lot more than we really want to believe. In response to the question, what would Fred Rogers do? It's not a question that you can't answer. 
the most important question is what are you going to do? From the time you were very little, you've had people who have smiled you into smiling, people who have talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you into loving. When he was giving speeches, he would say, now, think about somebody who's helped you along the way. For one minute, I'm going to time you. Let's just take some time to think of those extra special people. Mm. Some of them may be right here. Some may be far away. Some may even be in heaven. No matter where they are, deep down, you know they've always wanted what was best for you. They've always cared about you beyond measure and have encouraged you to be true to the best within you. Thank you. My mother. How I got to this point because it was my grandfather's doing. There was this woman named Viva who used to take care of me when I was little. She was our babysitter. I thought about Fred. How about you? My mother. There's a reason there's five copies of that DVD at the Ankeny Library. We all need to see that message, hear that message, experience that message again and again and again over our lives. It's a reminder that there is a God, and God loves us. And God puts people in our lives to help connect us with that love. And sometimes we feel that sense of separation and disconnection. There are these ebbs and flows, and it's time to reconnect. Sometimes what helps me reconnect is Mr. Rogers or a simple melody that Lindsay was singing for us earlier. And sometimes what helps me reconnect to God is rocking out. <laughs> so I want to ask you to stand up, and we're going to sing this last song about the power of God's love to rattle dry bones.